This is a crossover edition, Locked on Vols and Locked on Gators, ahead of the Florida-Tennessee game in Knoxville coming up on Saturday. I'm Josh Ward, along with Zach Goodall and Demetrius Harvey. And uh, guys, this is one where Florida's a big favorite, Tennessee's a big underdog. I'm curious on the Florida side, what do you see about the mood this week where Florida's still playing for championships in the SEC and, and hopefully for a national title on Florida side? Tennessee is in the middle of a five-game losing streak, and has other issues to deal with. So in, in Knoxville, there's not a lot of optimism. I imagine in Gainesville, there's there's a lot of it. But how is this week viewed as far as you can tell? From what we've been able to tell all season long is this does seem like a team that doesn't look too far ahead. Uh, that's at least what they like to tell us. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they, they seem to take each week at a time. Uh, I'm sure they'll want to do with Tennessee because – even considering the state that Tennessee is in, there would be no greater feeling for that program and for that fan base to come in and knock Florida off of its role. Uh, I, I'm sure Florida's embracing that idea and won't want to get off to another slow start because of it. Yeah, and, and if, if I could just add, you know, this week, obviously the, the major storyline is Florida can lock in the SEC East. It's yep. kind of been a, a virtual certainty that they're going to play in the SEC championship game. Everybody's kind of banking on that. They're looking forward to a Alabama. But from the team's perspective, like Zach said, they've been kind of on a week-to-week -week kind of thing. They're, they're not necessarily looking towards Alabama because they have Tennessee this week. You know what I mean? And then next week they're going to have LSU. So this week is huge. It's, it's, it's another game. It's another time for them to get better. I think that that's sort of the mindset heading in. There also just has to be incredible confidence on in that offense and on that side of the ball, what they're able to do, especially getting Pitts back right. I mean, his talent's unbelievable. Uh, and that combination of him and, and Kyle Trask, and it goes beyond those guys, but getting him back last week seemed huge. And I think on Tennessee side, that's the biggest concern is what do we do covering Kyle Pitts? I'm sure that's been the first talking point in the meeting rooms with Jeremy Pruitt and his defensive staff is, how do we try to slow this guy down? Because there's not one individual player that you would say, hey, go cover pits with, with this player because it's not going to work. And Tennessee struggled defending the middle of the field anyway. So with Dan Mullen and what he's able to see, I would say that that's probably where Florida starts to attack. What, what do you think in, in terms of the game and the matchup and what they're going to try to do? Would you see it that way? I certainly would. Uh, I think that's what Florida wants to do. They, they talk about it. They love to spread the ball around, and Trask loves all the weapons he's got, and, and he's proven that he can hit them. But they they will say they feature Kyle Pitts in this offense, and he's the type of weapon that you will want to feature. We saw them go straight to him in his return to action against Kentucky with that uh, corner post route. He was going against Kelvin Joseph one-on-one -on -one and was able to flip his hips on like a tight end. They're really – it should be illegal for tight ends to be that agile, right? <laughs> But, yeah. but he came out and he was able to do that, and it was a matchup that they liked throughout the game. Now, I'm curious, uh, with Tennessee, yes, they'll want to find a way to do that, but the question is, will they decide to drop a bunch of guys into coverage like teams have in the past couple weeks, maybe get Florida off to a slow start? Uh, will they get aggressive and try and put pressure on Trask? Now, obviously, that becomes a little bit more difficult when you lose, and correct me if I say his first name wrong, but Kyvon Bennett, uh, due to his dismissal, Losing a guy with 4.5 sacks and 7.5 uh, tackles for loss won't make it easy. Yeah, that's part of the challenge. Uh, if I try to respond with the answer there, I would start, and it's uh, Kevon Bennett. He's, he's yeah. I think, Tennessee's best pass rusher. If you look at pro football focus grading, which is not everything, but you could factor it in, he is one of three defenders that grades out above average on Tennessee's 
side of the ball in terms of playing 100 plus snaps this season and that's not good when you lose him and he and he's the only pass rusher in that category so I think he's their best pass rusher so you take him out of the equation in the middle of the week when you're game planning for one of the two best passing offenses that you're going to face this season the other one being Alabama earlier in the year and, and that game went terribly of course for Tennessee that makes it even more challenging for Jeremy Pruitt so uh and, and trying to create pressure he's going to ask some young players a sophomore Roman Harrison a freshman and Tyler Barron or uh, Morvin Joseph a guy that chose Tennessee over Florida to try to step up and make plays in this game and they just they haven't played big roles to this point at least not on a consistent basis so I, I think you want as many guys in coverage as you can Fine, but if you're not able to create pressure, that's eventually not going to matter either, is it? So when I look at Tennessee's linebackers in coverage, they've frankly been terrible. And um, it, it's safety. I think I think they can be pretty good there. But yeah, in their most recent game, they had a, a big bust in coverage that led to a I, I don't it was a, a long touchdown pass to Schwartz down the field. And I think that's the fear that Jeremy Pruitt has is that they're, they're always a mistake or two away from giving up a big play, which didn't happen last year with Tennessee's defense. It was it was it play number one? Do you guys recall last year is the the opening series? I believe that Kyle Trask hit a, a deep play over the middle of the field actually against Tennessee's defense. But um, I, the, the problem in trying to answer your question is I don't think there's a good answer for Tennessee's defense against what Trask and, and Pitts and Tony and what they're able to do in that passing game. I think that's the issue is that uh, you do your best, but um, the solution's probably not going to be there. And, and that would be my thing. I'll go quickly before I let Demetrius in. Um, if there is one aspect of Florida's offense that I think is something that every last defense should try and attack, it, it's the right side of the offensive line. It's been a much better unit this year, but it's held back from the right tackle position. Uh, Gene DeLance has uh, – he, he's been a guy. He, he's certainly been in the lineup, but that's just about the only thing you can really say about him. I mean, for – a team that's given up so few sacks, uh, very little pressure throughout the year. There is one spot that consistently does get beat, and it's that right tackle spot. So if Bennett were in this or available to play in this game, it might, it may not be a different result, but you automatically like Tennessee a bit more defensively if they were to come and attack that right side. Right. If, if there's a pass rusher that can get after it, you know, like Bennett was, for Tennessee, you know, going after Gene DeLance, that would be a way to get after Kyle Trask, get him kind of off off kilter, make make him force a few throws into areas where he might not want to. Because Kyle Trask has been amazing this year. I mean, elite even. You know, he's he's a Heisman runner. He's he's probably going to win the Heisman if they can win the SEC championship game. Uh, there's been not that many bad things to say about Trask this year, but. If there is something that, you know, you can kind of look at and point at as a maybe something that he needs to work on a little bit more, it's that sometimes he does put the ball into weird areas where it should be picked off. He's had several several passes this season where, you know, his interceptions, I think he has only thrown three this year, but he's probably should have thrown around six to seven to eight uh, just based on the plays that he's made over the, over the first, you know, nine games of the season, eight, eight games of the season. Uh, for Tennessee, having to cover a guy like Kyle Pitts, there's not one person that can cover Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's just that's just known. It, it, it even Gators players. I think we asked uh, linebacker Diabate, you know, who who can cover Kyle Pitts, or how do you cover Kyle Pitts? And then he just said, one does not simply cover Kyle Pitts. You know, <laughs> and and, yeah. and it's really true. Um, 
they do feature him and, and he is their go-to target, you know, 29 receptions, 513 yards, 11 touchdowns. But, you know, they, they do have other guys and they sort of pride themselves on that. You know, they have a guy in Justin Shorter who's who's coming along. They have Jacob Copeland who's who's made some big plays. And then obviously Trayvon Grimes has been in there making big plays. And then they have the, the younger guys too. So uh, if you do slow down Kyle Pitts, you can ha- have success against this team. But as we've seen, you know, even without Kyle Pitts, they were pretty much all systems go. So um, I think that the, the key to Tennessee this week would be to kind of try to emulate what Kentucky did early against Florida, which is just completely drop everybody, limit the explosive plays, and, and just hope for the best. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste, it makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what Tennessee tries to do there. They do have a, another veteran who's been pretty good, probably their second best pass rusher, DeAndre Johnson. So he's a guy that uh, Tennessee will be relying on, but he's probably hurt a little bit by the fact that Kevon Bennett won't be out there taking up attention from Florida's offense. Uh, I, I wonder about the other side. So it looks like Tennessee's probably starting a freshman quarterback this week in Harrison Bailey. He's definitely playing, and the indications are that he probably gets his first career start. What do you think when you hear that uh, against Florida's defense? How has Florida's defense played the last few weeks? What do you think about the Gators going up against a freshman quarterback? He's definitely playing again, and again, the uh, the expectation is he probably starts. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that as to the COVID situation as a whole, and I'm sure we'll get into it more uh, mm-hmm. But everyone was floating the idea of what happens if Garantano can't play because of this, or does he end up just getting benched for his performance on the year? One way or another, there were those questions. And you'd think, and T- Todd Grantham has said it, their goal is to get to the number two quarterback. But I mean, they struggled against a true freshman for Vanderbilt two weeks ago in Ken yep. Seals. I mean, he came out firing, playing up-tempo in the first quarter, and Vandy was able to move down the field with ease. A week later... The Wildcats were able to come out, and Terry Wilson wasn't able to really throw the ball much, but they were able to run at will. In in the first half, they had, when you subtract sacks, 30 attempts for 146 rushing yards against against Florida. And that is relatively terrifying when you think about the idea, when you combine those two factors, a freshman quarterback like Ken Seals coming in and playing well, it makes you think that there's the possibility Tennessee can do the same, and then it opens up a totally different aspect and that's the run game Uh, i'm sure we'll talk about that more as well but eric gray florida should fear him at this point they don't have a track record that suggests they can completely limit him much less slow him down much at all he's a guy that you'd expect if tennessee is going to be in this game it's going to be because he can do some damage 
That, yeah, that would be my thought, uh, Demetrius. See what you think. As if if I'm Tennessee's offense, um, offensive coordinator, I guess in this case, Jim Chaney. My thought is, let's say it is Harrison Bailey at quarterback. You want to try to put him in position where he can make some easy throws early. But one thing that could also help him is if you have a running game that's running with success. And Eric Gray has looked really good recently. And that offensive line has shown the ability that we've talked about. It has not been consistently elite like I think a lot of people, myself included, expected at the beginning of the season. But if you can run with success and kind of control that line of scrimmage, and that that has to be something that would narrow a gap that is obviously there going in. And also, if you're able to run with success and extend a drive or two early on, that keeps Florida's offense off the field. So I would think it starts with Eric Gray to try to help out Harrison Baylor, who's not really played a bunch of meaningful snaps. He's played in, in three games, but not in a, a big spot. So I would think it starts with Eric Gray for Tennessee's plan. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, who's a good player. He's been banged up with a ankle injury, but I think he's probably healthier now than he's been in the last five or six weeks would be my guess. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the the Gators this season, I feel, you know, they're they're inconsistent in terms of stopping the run and they have done well at times, but their real issue is stopping these explosive plays. So, you know, if Tennessee is able to get off to a hot start with Gray, getting him on those maybe 20 yards, a, a gain kind of clips, if they're able to do that against this Florida Gators defense, it could be a long day. I think that the real key to success for Tennessee's offense is going to be having long sustained drives. Not only does that tire out the Gators defense, which they've had an issue for or issue with this season, but it also keeps the Gators offense off the field. And that's what you want to do. So if, if, if Tennessee can, can have those, you know, 16 play drives, like, like a Kentucky was able to do in the first half last week, and then an 87 yard drive. And then uh, if you can have those key and sustained drives with the running game, I think that that's the biggest thing that they're going to have to do this, this week. And, uh, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see because they've they've done well in limiting the explosive plays as of late, but every now and then you'll you'll see it you'll see it happen. So uh, if there's any weakness on this Florida Gators team, it's it's been from the defensive side of the football, and it's just been such inconsistent play. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast, and I'll tell you what: being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. What is Tennessee Week, excuse me, what is Tennessee week like um, down in Gainesville with uh, Florida fans, Florida players? We talked about the importance of this game for this team, but, but Tennessee Week, what's it like? It's... um. It's unlike years in the past, obviously, and I think that's just the norm everywhere. Um, it seems like Florida fans aren't 
going into matchups, I, I don't want to say not knowing as much about the other team as a normal year, but they certainly seem more focused on the program itself, uh, the mm-hmm. issues they have at hand. Uh, every program every week obviously has its own sort of COVID fears and fans are looking out for that. So it doesn't seem like the usual Tennessee matchup. Everyone's trashing each other. Um, and maybe that's also just where we are at this point of the season and at this point with both programs, but it doesn't seem like it normally is. Uh, the players are even saying James Houston, the other set, uh, day, the linebacker, he's been at Florida for three years. He said he's never played a competitive Kentucky or a uh, competitive Tennessee team. He's just not something that he's used to. It's not something that he'd even, I guess, necessarily call a rivalry at this point based off of what's happened over the past couple of years. And and you can understand why, because the last win uh, for Tennessee came before most of these guys got into the program. And, and you know, it, it's, it's weird to think about because it is such a storied rivalry, but maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe that is Florida potentially not taking this as seriously as they need to. And I don't mean to say that they are not, and I don't mean to accuse them of that, but that's you definitely start to feel a little uneasy when people are talking about a game like that. Yeah, it's one of those things you just you put on the list of things to watch, right? I mean, Florida's they're they're going on the road as a huge favorite. So Mm -hmm. um, does Florida show up thinking, hey, we'll just we'll we'll show up kickoffs at three thirty and by four thirty it'll be over. Do they have that mindset or do they say, hey, let's make it over? at right. at 430 but in and truthfully on Tennessee side Tennessee needs Florida to probably think that way because if if Florida is is locked in and engaged it's difficult for me to believe that Tennessee can keep up Tennessee needs Florida to have a slip up or two and then try to take advantage of that that to me would be where a lot of this would start if the Vols were going to try to make this a competitive game another one is right. the weather too yep yeah the the, the weather it, it's going to be cold uh Dan Mullen hates the cold he said that uh he's going to be dressing his you know gloves and everything even though he's from new hampshire so it's kind of weird but it, it is going to be a different showcasing for the gators in general you know they have had these slow starts that that is an issue especially on defense they've had these these starts where they don't look like the same gators defense or the same gators offense that we're used to seeing you know in that first half against kentucky the Gators' offense didn't look good at all, but I mean, they they were barely on the field, but it just wasn't as explosive. It wasn't as efficient as you would like. And even Dan Mullen came out this week and said, you know, they didn't hit on any key mark, key benchmarks that they have set for the offense. And you know, their their standards for having a good game on offense are pretty high. But just just to put it in perspective, you know, it, it just doesn't. Uh, it, it seems as though that could be an issue moving forward. So you're right. You know, if if the Gators do come out into this game thinking uh, this is going to be a cakewalk, which I don't think that they, they've necessarily had that mindset thus far this season. But if they do come out in the same sort of mindset that they have been, which is just for some reason they haven't been able to be fired up, whether it's the crowd noise or the lack thereof or just everything that's going on and the the different the weirdness of this season, whatever the case may be. Uh, they haven't been able to get off to a hot a hot start. And if they struggle early against Tennessee and Tennessee's fired up early uh, and they get off to a, a really bad start, then, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, and um, also, Zach, you, I think you brought up the COVID issues. Tennessee's had 16 players in quarantine the last week and a half or so, whatever it would be, going back to the return from the Auburn game. I don't know how that affects Tennessee. We don't know specific players. There has been one quarterback in quarantine, and the belief is that that is Jarrett Garantano, which would probably 
impact their decision there and a and give Harrison a better chance of starting Harrison Bailey. But how that affects the team, I don't know. And it's Tennessee's a team that it's I think it's benefited from not having COVID issues during the regular season. It had them in the preseason. A, a weird thing is Tennessee dealt with a lot of COVID issues in fall camp, but its best two games of the season were the first two coming out of fall camp. And then during the season without COVID issues, they've gotten worse in some ways as the season has gone along. So I don't have a good answer um, to that, how that would affect Tennessee, partly because we don't even know which players specifically have uh, dealt with it. But I, I don't factor it into my thoughts for the game too much because Tennessee at least has had two weeks to get ready for the game mm-hmm. because they were off last Saturday. So um, would, would you add anything to the conversation, anything else that we've missed, you think, before we wrap up this uh, crossover episode? Well, I'll touch on your last point there. Uh, it is, yeah. uh, I don't know if funny is the right word given the situation, but it is a little bit funny that like Tennessee is able to come out and play so well after those COVID issues. There was one part of Florida's defense in particular this year that was just the eyesore, and it was it, it still remains to this day to be the secondary and the explosive plays that they can give up. The first three weeks of the season was as bad as it was all year. And it was a bunch of seniors, a bunch of upperclassmen, guys that have been starting for this defense for a while, giving them up. And after Florida's COVID outbreak, they were down three starters in the secondary against Missouri uh, for obviously undisclosed reasons. But you'd figure coming out of the COVID break, it's something to do with that. And the young secondary came in, and it was like a totally different unit. It, it, It was... The explosive plays weren't there from Missouri like that. Uh, They've improved ever since that game, mixing the young talents and the new talents in. But it it was kind of curious to watch that happen, to watch a team come out energized and a unit look improved when it was hit so badly and depth was truly shaken up by just an, an outside factor like COVID. Yeah, it's it's been weird to try to factor that into any kind of prediction for games or anything like that largely because of the unknown not knowing who exactly how um how that's affected practice practices were closed as well so uh it's the year of the unknown which i guess is fitting for the conversation and how things will go so uh guys it's been fun uh crossover edition here with locked on balls and locked on gators and the two teams will kick off on saturday at 3 30 in knoxville i appreciate you uh, talking to me i appreciate you allowing me the opportunity as well without a thanks doubt. for having us on thank you for having us